Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cisternino here with another one of our Game Changer previews. And it looks like we can start to see what looks like the Survivor season just over the horizon. We're in the home stretch here of the Game Changer preview series with episode number nine. And today we're going to be talking about Andrea Belke and then Beast Mode Cowboy Caleb Reynolds on another fun episode of the podcast. First, we are going to welcome to the podcast a woman, Nina Stoddard, who has gone through and researched everything about Andrea, including her seasons, her stint as Miss Survivor, and much more in part one of this podcast. And then we are going to be talking with Jen Manning, who researched the reality TV career of Beast Mode Cowboy, not just in Survivor Co. Wrong, but also through Big Brother 16, so we will have an extensive deep dive into the many different layers of the Beast Mode Cowboy all here today on the podcast. Now, before we get to talking, Andrea, I want to take a moment and thank a sponsor, and they're a new sponsor, but I'm very excited to have them on board, Beachbody On Demand. Now, a lot of the patrons of the podcast know that there were a lot of us that were really trying to get on the right track in terms of personal fitness in 2017. One of my big regrets last year was I made a New Year's resolution in 2016 that I was going to finally start exercising again. It was a colossal disaster. I think maybe I exercised 10 times all through 2016. And I came into the new year and I needed to figure out something that was going to fit into my lifestyle where I work probably 14, 16 hours in a given day. I have small kids. It's very hard for me to get out of the house. And I just wanted something that I could do that I didn't have to think about. And Beachbody On Demand has been perfect for me. I'm currently in the eighth week of the P90 program. That's with no X, just P90. Not that extreme. If I can do it, it's not that extreme. And I go out there in the garage every morning and I watch one of these videos and I haven't missed a day in weeks. And I'm telling you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It Do it six days out of the week. And for me, that's easier than doing something just three days out of the week. Because when I do something three days out of the week, I say, oh, okay, well, I'll do it Thursday. It'll be the day that I do it. And I just procrastinate. I think that I just can go on autopilot. And I really enjoy it. There's so many different programs that you can do, not just the one that I do. There's the P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Extreme, three week yoga retreat, which actually features Vetus. Vetus, you should totally come to yoga. And I'm not even joking that Vetus really is in that if you go on there and you take a look at it. And what Beachbody On Demand has for you guys is a free one month membership to the service. All you have to do is text Rob to the number 303030 on your phone to get a free 30-day membership to the service. You can watch all of the different videos that they have. All of them have a schedule of what video to watch on what specific day. And you can watch the video on any of your different devices. I watch mine on an Apple TV. You can watch it on a computer, tablet, smartphone. You can take it with you wherever you have to go. You just put on the video, do what you have to do. Just clear out a space where you can move around. You don't need a bunch of expensive weights, just a mat and some light dumbbells or resistance bands, depending on what you're going to do. So if you're looking for the easiest fitness program to integrate into your life, I'm telling you, this is it. Beachbody On Demand. It's brand new service, but it has almost a million members. Our listeners can get a free 30-day membership by texting Rob 
to 303030 on your phone. They'll text you back with all the information that you need. Again, just text my name, Rob, to 303030 and get a full 30 days of access to Beachbody on demand. And if you have questions for me, I'm happy to answer them on Twitter. I've been doing this eight weeks and I don't want to stop. So that's a lot coming from me. I know I'm the last person you expect to get any sort of fitness advice, but I'm going to be beast mode. I'm going to be beast mode podcaster pretty soon. All right. So let's get into our podcast today and let's hear from Nina Stoddard, who talked with me about the third coming of Miss Survivor, Andrea Belke. All right, everybody, I'm very excited to get into this game changer that we are going to talk about because it probably is the person that I know the best, maybe outside of the game, that's going to be coming back into the game changers season. This is a woman who has been on two seasons of Survivor and has made uh, countless appearances on the podcast, including a Miss Survivor stint back in 2014. So to talk about our good friend, Andrea Belke, please welcome to the podcast. I believe uh, on the podcast proper for the first time, Nina Stoddard. Nina, how are you? Uh, Doing really well today, Rob. How about yourself? I'm very excited to talk about Andrea. and I'm doubly excited to talk to you. And many listeners uh, may not know this, but you, alongside with uh, Wiki Wizard Mike Bloom, (laughs) have been instrumental in in building up Rob has a wiki uh, the our wikipedia page or our our own RHAP wiki which i believe you can go to robsawebsite.com/wiki to access so nina thank you for this outstanding work that you've been doing oh no problem at all and our friend andrea was a big part of that site uh, lots of entries like you were saying she's been on the podcast many many yes. times so so much to chew on uh, with andrea but before we get to talking about her Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been following the podcast? Uh, Sure. So I've been listening to the podcast since, it's hard to say, at least Kageon. I know I reached out to you after the Kageon season is the first record I have of it. Um, And I just remember being really excited when I found the podcast. I watch every week with my mom. Uh, She's not much of a strategist. (laughs) And so I didn't know that there were people out there diving into besides, oh, I don't like this person or I do like this person, so they should go home. And also um, for any football fans that you and your husband are big fans of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Season ticket holders. Whoa. Okay. All right. Have you ever run into Dale Wentworth at one of those games? Uh, Not yet. Not yet. I see uh, Kelly's pictures on her Twitter, but haven't ran into her yet either. Okay. All right. We'll keep us posted if we have a Wentworth sighting at some point. Okay. So let's talk about Andrea. And here she is coming back. And, you know, I was very surprised to see Andrea on this cast list. You know, I thought that Andrea had a, a great run on Survivor. You know, I thought that she was a no doubt returnee after her first season and she went back and I thought was in the mix in Caramoan uh, before she ends up going out at what, like seventh place. Is that where she finishes in that season? Uh, That's correct. And then I kind of thought that she was done with survivor. You know, I had been talking about, you know, how happy I was for her with her career hosting for people uh, doing all sorts of great interviews. And it looked like she has a really great 
hosting career together. And I said, I looked at Andrea and I said, wow, she's just like a few months away from never having to talk to me ever again. Like, good for her. I was so excited. And then I was very surprised to see her back in the mix for Survivor. And I even said to her shortly before they left, I saw her back in that spring. And I was like, Andrea, what the hell do you need this aggravation for in your life? Well, I think the one thing that you really underestimated is how much she loves Survivor. I think from the beginning of Redemption Island, that's the through line with Andrea is that she's a huge Survivor fan. She's really excited about the game. And so I wasn't too surprised uh, to see her step back out on the island. I guess she had unfinished business, but I said, Andrea, concentrate on on what you're doing here. You don't need all this uh, nonsense. Okay, but here she is back again. And so what was the big takeaway for you in terms of watching two seasons of Andrea to prepare for this? Do you feel like that you have a sense of her as a character and a player? Yeah, I definitely think that I do. I think that, I mean, it's hard to take much away from Redemption Island, One of the things that I think gets overlooked in terms of her run on Redemption Island is she's extremely young at the beginning of that season. Natalie Tenerelli is obviously 19, and so that gets a lot of play. But Andrea is only 21 going into that first season. And on a tribe with Boston Rob, I think it was extremely difficult for her. But going into Karamoan, she really is essentially shot out of a cannon. She knows that she missed a lot of opportunities on Redemption Island, and she comes out guns a-blazing, and every confessional you hear in Caramon is people talking about how smart she is, how strategic she is, which I think ultimately ends up being her undoing in the end. So let's go back to where it all started for Andrea, and let's just take a look at her journey from Redemption Island to Caramon before we get to now, and she was part of that group that was with Boston Rob back at Ometepe, and of course, in the early going, that she was there to be part of the you know group of six or seven people that was sort of uh, with Rob against the Christina Kells and the Francescas of the world, with Philip sort of being the wild card there, and so. After successfully voting out Francesqua uh, at that first vote in Redemption Island, Andrea then starts to buddy up with Matt Elrod. And I do feel like that we get a window into definitely something that is a thing with Andrea. She does have some flirtations with the men on the island. Right. And I think that's why she gets the Parvati comparisons, I think the little bit of the difference here is that Andrea is really only flirting or hanging out with the guys that are that she likes. She's not somebody that's going to cuddle up against uh, Philip, for instance, but she definitely has an attraction to Matt. That's for sure. Yeah, she does. And uh, sort of a flirtation is a flattering way to put it. Maybe gets a little boy crazy, I think, is I've heard other people put it that way. I think that's an accurate uh, statement. <laughs> yes. Okay. So there she is. And, and look, I don't want to uh, disparage Andrea. I believe she might have been my winner pick in Redemption Island. I forget if it was Redemption Island or Caramoan. I had her as the winner pick. Uh, she was your winner pick going into Redemption Island. I think I then might have uh, switched gears to Brenda going into uh, Caramoan. But that's neither here nor there. So Andrea has the thing going on with Matt Elrod. And boy, Does Matt Elrod get under Boston Rob's skin when a couple of things that he's doing, Boston Rob just uh, doesn't like this new hotshot. 
and blindsides him and Andrea. Andrea, I have to feel like, is pretty stunned here to feel like that she was part of this big group and then ultimately learns that she was not on top of it. So how does that change the way Andrea plays the game from that point on? Well, I think that you see coming out of that Matt Elrod blindside is the real first chance we get to see Andrea on Survivor. And she handles the aftermath of that pretty well. There's a scene where she's talking to Rob and Rob's explaining to her why Matt had to go. And she's on board with it, asks him if she's in trouble now. And he says, no, just no problem. You know, you're still in the group. We just had to get rid of Matt. And she says she believes him. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, just follow me, Andrea. And then you see her in a (laughs) confessional right afterwards. And she's crying and saying how upset she is. And she feels like she really uh, got screwed over in that situation. But she does a great job of not portraying that. To Boston Rob. But after that, the problem is she just kind of falls back in line. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do anything at that point. She just kind of falls back into the group with hanging out with Ashley and Natalie. No, she gets back in line and uh, follows the BR rules to a T to the point where, you know, she's back in well with Natalie and Ashley. And then also at the same time, she's very close with Rob and Grant. And I think she looks at them as a potential final three going with uh, Rob and Grant. And she even has something going on with Philip. It seems like that her and Philip are it's an underreported story, how much that they were sort of working together at points uh, in Redemption Island. Yeah, I found that to be really interesting. Um, it really changed the way that I viewed Karamoa and watching it this uh this time because she he does she's the only one of those girls that gets along with philip at all yeah the only one that gives him the time of day even yeah he appreciates what a hard worker she is and there is a point where he's talking about when matt comes back from redemption island that maybe they can get something going at that point before he goes full uh boston rob Everything is going well for Ometepe. They are able to right the ship. I think that they might have been down like 8-6 in the numbers, and they get it to the point where they're going to go into the merge. I think, what is it, 6-5 that they go into the merge before Matt Elrod comes back? Right, 6-5 plus Matt. Plus Matt. And so Matt Elrod comes back from Redemption Island, and this is this huge pivot point in Andrea's game because now Here's Matt Elrod, and there's the possibility that Matt Elrod could flip to the Zaps, to Zapatera, <laughs> and he's thinking about this, and he confides in Andrea that he's thinking about this, and so you have this opportunity for Matt and Andrea, or aka Wyatt Nash, to get back together, and then... Matt Elrod then has the bright idea to tell Boston Rob that he was thinking about doing this. <laughs> Right. It's after he talks to Andrea and she's talking about she's nervous. She's thinking about whether she wants to do it or not. Then she walks up on him talking to Boston Rob. He's like, oh, it's OK. I, you know, I told Rob everything. How we were going to flip and <laughs> no. we're not going to flip. <laughs> Andrea is completely shell shocked, which uh, rightly so, I think. But I mean, in a way, she kind of led to that situation when Matt comes back from Redemption Island. That night, you see him and her cuddled up in the shelter together. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't Boston Rob tell her earlier that season the rule about who you sleep next to in the shelter? But Andrea, she does prove to be a loyal soldier. 
And when Boston Rob gives the order that it's time to take out Matt Elrod again, she's on board this time. Yeah, she talks about that in one of the podcasts that she had done with you. She said that it was only about a day and a half Mm -hmm. after Matt got back before they ultimately went to tribal council. And so in addition to Matt being, I mean, Matt, who I don't even know if Matt was going to flip because ultimately he ends up voting with Ometepe at that tribal council. Or at least how he thought Oma mm-hmm. Tepe would be voting. But Andrea has an opportunity to prove herself to Boston Rob. She at least passes that part of the test. But Rob still knows what's up. He knows that she's dangerous. And eventually, when they get down to the final six from Oma Tepe, she becomes the first person that they target at the final six. And it's a big blind side to Andrea, right? She never sees this coming. Yeah, it is. It's it's not a good look because she is very shocked by it. Like you were saying, she really felt that there was a relationship she had with Rob and Grant. She really thought that she was going to be going to the final three with them, which we didn't see a lot of on the show where she got that indication from. But Rob was always really good about making everybody feel comfortable. And he certainly did that with Andrea. And so she goes not out of the game, but to Redemption Island, where it's a little bit awkward, where she's going to be uh, there with Matt Elrod, but uh, nothing happening there on Redemption Island, right? He's mad at her. Yeah, he's mad at her, and then Ralph makes her sleep on the floor. <laughs> what a jerk. Tells her there's no room in the shelter for her. Classic Ralph. i we didn't see him on this season. I don't know. <laughs> it's a real game changer. Uh, so, But Andrea is the one who comes back from Redemption Island, and then she comes back with a little bit of a spring in her step, a little bit of a spark. And I wonder that had she not had this second chance after Redemption Island, if she would eventually become an all-star in Caramoan, because uh, she is trying to make some big moves. She's trying to get something going. Yeah, she definitely is trying to get with the girls when she comes back, telling them all about how everybody at Redemption Island would rather vote for Philip than Rob. They'd vote for anybody over these girls. Uh, and she says that some of what she's saying is true. Some of what she's saying isn't. But she's fighting really hard to get the two girls. But then at the final five, there is a moment where it is not Boston Rob who wins individual immunity, but it is Ashley Underwood who ends up winning immunity here in this spot. And so there is the possibility they could put votes on Rob. They don't know, or at least Andrea may not know that he has the hidden immunity idol. The other women do know that fact. And then also you have the opportunity to put votes on Philip. And Andrea's like, hey, let's do something. Let's do this. And they're like, no, we're good. We'll vote you out. Yeah, I think that's every episode of Redemption Island. (laughs) So the Andrea threat is vanquished in Redemption Island. And she's going to end up here in fifth place uh, in this season. And uh, that would be it. And Rob would go on to win. But hope sprang eternal for Andrea. And she came back only a couple seasons later in Survivor Caramoan fans versus favorites too. Let me ask you, Nina, in terms of watching her the first time around and the second time around, what did you think was the biggest things that she felt like she needed to change between the first season and the second season? Because she does come back shot out of a cannon. Andrea, in the very beginning when they're talking about, they're doing the little montages of the people and Jeff is saying, Andrea, the hardworking farm girl who flirted her way right out of the game. Andrea is saying that she thought that her problem was she got too comfortable her first season. She got really complacent and she just let the game happen around her. 
And she's uh, intent to not let that happen again. And again, hard to be a, you know, 21 year old person competing against Boston Rob on his fourth time out there. So I I certainly cut some slack to those uh, those rookies that were out there with him. Right. So then here comes Andrea. So she feels like, okay, got to make big moves. Got to be working hard from the get go. Can't get comfortable. And now here she is back with her buddy, Philip. And Andrea is ready to take out somebody who she had been working with pregame in Francesca at that very first vote. And it was a whole big thing. I remember from the podcast where the wine and cheese crew, they were besides themselves. They couldn't believe it. Eliza was going nuts on Twitter. Russell Hance was going nuts on Twitter. Even people that are sort of normally mild-mannered, uh, where they were upset about Andrea voting out Francesca. It was a whole thing, Nina. Yeah, I do remember that. You had uh, did the know-it-alls with Steven. He was trying to be a neutral party as much as he could <laughs> that night. <laughs> yes, I was trying to protect him. Yes, yeah, but he was he was a little, you know down on the move as well for Andrea. She was ready to take out somebody that she had been working with pregame. And so, Nina, how much of a factor do you think this is that Andrea may have this reputation of hey, if you're working with Andrea pregame, uh, that's out the window when she gets on the island. I do think that that is the case. I think that's what people unfortunately will remember is her relationship with Francesca, but. She also, you know, had this previous relationship with Philip. If not for him going out at the Three Amigos Tribal Council, I think that they were sticking together. Well, she had seen that like, oh, OK, this is a guy you bring him to the end. And that's a, that's a good goat to take with you to the end of the game. I think she knew from her previous season that was one of the big takeaways for her. Right. And when you look at I think she wanted to work with Francesca, but she says in the episode that she talked to Francesca on day one and then really Francesca never spoke with her again, so she felt a little uncomfortable. And if you look at who Francesca was teamed up with, it was Brandon and Eric. Like, that's not yeah. really the alliance I would be jumping on board with either. Right. Not exactly the perfect crew that you want to go 39 days with in the game. So Andrea gets some blood on her hands at that first vote. And then they she doesn't really go to a tribal again, at least not a real one. She's part of the, hey, who wants to vote out Brandon Hans? Raise your hand. Okay, <laughs> Brandon Hans, you're voted out. But she seemed to have a pretty solid relationship with Brandon Hans. She was not one of the people that really was the object of his ire at any point. I think part of it is because they were challenge buddies from the very beginning, whenever they had this thing in the beginning where they had a man and a woman fighting in the water. And then they had a man and a woman go up the ramp and throw off the boxes. And she was always teamed up with Brandon. And there's even a late Mm -hmm. night scene where they're at the shelter and he's really upset and he's got his head in her lap and she's patting his head. So I think that there was a pretty good relationship there between Andrea and Brandon. Post swap, Andrea ends up going to the tribe that was originally the fans beach. And uh, she goes over there with Malk, uh, Eddie and Reynolds are there and Brenda and Sherry, I think are all on that tribe with her. And I think Eric Reichenbach is there as well. And so here she is. Of course, we'll talk about Malcolm, who's back as well in Game Changer. So how did Andrea's game change post swap in Caramoan? Well, post swap, she doesn't have to go to a tribal council. So that's one factor for sure. And 
unfortunately for Andrea, she ends up in that position that uh, is a bit of her kryptonite where she's got Reynolds, she's got Eddie, she's got Malcolm. She's just on this tribe with all these uh, handsome men. But I do feel like it's the first time in her survivor career where she's able to take a real leadership position, that it's the first time that she's out from the thumb of Boston Rob. She's away from Philip. And I do feel like that when you watch her in confessionals, I do feel like that she does seem to have an air about her where she seems like a leader for that group. Yeah, absolutely. And you see her making connections with everybody. She's having connections even with Sherry is on that tribe with them and she's making connections with her. And she talks about in one of her confessionals how she's trying to bond with the fans and get as close to them as she can so that when she ultimately votes them out, they will vote for her in the end. So as much as she is in the leadership role, she never really has a strong flirtation with staying in that sort of configuration. We get to the merge in Karamoan and there's a lot of stuff going on here. One of the things I want to touch on with Andrea is her relationship with Corinne. If I remember correctly, I believe that she was really driving for Corinne to be one of the boots if the favorites went to another tribal council. Corinne is going to be the merge boot in that season. And it seemed, at least in the edit, that she was looking at Corinne as somebody, oh, she's getting close with Malcolm. I don't like that. I want to target her as a person to go home. Right. Absolutely. And Andrea and Philip have created this really tight bond with Cochrane and Dawn. That's their main alliance. And then the other four favorites are kind of ancillary to that. And so I think that that's a big part of why she wants to get rid of Corinne. And she knows that Corinne is really itching to make a move. She's spending a lot of time with Malcolm, who in turn is spending a lot of time with the guys. But You're right. The idea that Andrea had to get rid of Corinne, I mean, in that dry spell pre-swap, when the fans were going to tribal council a lot, Andrea was already then talking about possibly targeting Corinne in the future. That ultimately is going to become a reality at the merge. And I do believe that Andrea is a pretty key part of all of this, because there is on the one hand, there is sort of like the Malcolm trying to bro down with Eddie, with Reynolds. They've got Michael Snow. They've got Corinne as well. They're working on potentially uh, a Riken back in the mix. So they they have something that they're working on. But I believe that tell me how this comes to be that Corinne ends up saying something to who? To Dawn. To Dawn. She says something to Dawn about that. And then also, is any of this corroborated between the information that Andrea is getting from Eddie? Uh, Not at this point. We don't see a lot of Andrea and Eddie at this point. That's a little bit later. That's the next episode. So Corinne ends up going home and this threat is basically extinguished. But uh, there is still some concern about Malcolm here. And that's a problem uh, for this group. How do we get to the point where Michael Snow is the next person voted out? Right. So going into this next vote, the plan is they really want to get rid of one of the three guys, either Mike, um, sorry, Malcolm, Eddie or Reynolds. And at the same time, Malcolm is not knowing what happened to Corinne, why Corinne was voted out. He's reaching out to Don and he's trying to make a connection with her. Uh, to try to get her to come over. And she says that if Reynolds will show her the idol, she will flip over to the guys. And so at the same time, Andrea is working on Eddie. They're going off for secret swims together. Yeah. And promising to look out for each other and let each other know if their name is coming up. 
So they come up with this great plan where they're going to split the votes between Malcolm and Reynolds, flush out the idol. Reynolds will go home. And in this instance, I do feel like that Andrea does fulfill that prophecy that which was said at one point that she would be a second coming of poverty. And to a degree, there she is toying with Eddie seemingly. It seems like he likes her more than she likes him. And he is giving some information, correct? Yeah, that's correct. In all the conversations you see the two of them having, he's definitely giving her more information than she is giving him. Like when they're in the woods, he's asking her, is it me going home? She says, I can't really tell you that. I can't tell you anything. And she asks, am I going home? And it gets to the point where he says, well, it's been talked about. And Andrea's face drops. She is not happy to hear Mm -hmm. uh, that her name is on the chopping block in terms of a vote split. And so what does she end up having the group do? She calls off the vote split. Right. So she gets everybody together. And this actually is really upsetting to Don because Don had put in all this work lying directly to Malcolm and Reynolds. And I think that early on, Andrea and Don are pretty close. And this is really you don't really see a lot of Andrea Don conversations after this point. This is around the time that Don and Brenda start getting a lot closer. Mm hmm. And so Andrea decides that they have to take the safe route. They have to just vote off Michael because nobody is ever going to give Michael an idol. Somebody would. Come on, Andrea. (laughs) Can you make a connection here? Does this start to lead to the deterioration of this relationship to the point where Dawn is going to be a big part of the group that votes off Andrea here in a couple of rounds? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think in this very next episode after this one is where Dawn loses her teeth and Mm -hmm. she's yelling for Brenda. We hadn't seen a lot of the Brenda-Dawn connection up until then, although we had seen quite a bit of Andrea and Dawn. And so I feel like this is the start of drawing that wedge between them. And it's really when Andrea ends up going home, she's talking to Cochran about targeting Dawn or Brenda. It's interesting because this tribal council that Michael Snow is going to go home, this is the hold up bro tribal council when uh, that (laughs) Malcolm ends up telling Reynolds, uh, you know, play the idol on me. And uh, he does, even though Malcolm has the idol in his pocket. And then the following tribal council is going to be the three amigos tribal council where those guys stand up and say, hey, we're not going home. And they have the two idols. And I think that, what is it, Reynolds has Reynolds has immunity. Right. And so Philip ends up going home. But that ends up being, for Andrea, sort of, in the same way that I felt for Cochran, it's kind of a net positive. You think Philip going home is a net positive for Andrea? I think at that point in the game, when Philip goes out, I feel like the die is cast that either Cochran or Andrea is going to be the person who wins the game. Well, it's interesting because I feel like They had a solid four alliance. It was a sub alliance in there. You had Andrea and Philip, and then you had Brenda, Don and Cochran. And it's those four in the middle making all of the decisions. And then the other players are kind of around them. Once Philip leaves, uh, I think it actually really hurts Andrea's game in two ways. One, she no longer has that close ally. Two votes are a lot stronger than one. Now Cochran and Don feel comfortable looking around and they can pick up whoever they want. They can pick up a Brenda. They can pick up a Sherry as their third. They don't need Andrea and that stability of the extra person, which was Philip. The second issue I think here is that Philip really was trying to play the Boston Rob game. He was inhibiting them from going and hanging out with the other people. 
And it's after this, Dawn starts to get really upset about the amount of time that Andrea is spending with the boys. Mm -hmm. And I think that when Philip was around, she at least was tempered in that regard to some extent. Andrea still has her own relationships. You know, she's been working the guys on that side, going back to their relationships from after the swap. But everybody's on the same page. They need to take Malcolm out. And in this episode where Malcolm is going to go home next, uh, that we have that famous scene where she single-handedly stalks Malcolm the entire time after he spends his money to buy a clue for the next Hidden Immunity Idol at the auction. And she just follows him, never takes her eyes off him while he searches for the idol. Right. And that's the stuff I love about Andrea, because she is following him around. She is hounding him so she can't he can't get the idol with the express purpose of voting him out. But there's no malice there. He talks about her being his annoying little sister and they kind of just hang out for a while and then go back. And as they're heading back to camp, she says, same time tomorrow, you know, so. I really appreciate the way that Andrea approaches the game. Okay, so at this point, Malcolm is gone, and Andrea, I do feel like that she's sort of jockeying with Cochran for who is in control of this group that has Cochran, Dawn, Brenda, Sherry, and Eric, uh, with the two guys who are on the bottom now, Reynolds and Eddie, and that she ends up winning the individual immunity in the tribal council where Reynolds goes home. Now, tell me, at what point did Andrea end up getting the hidden immunity idol for herself? Is Does she take the clue that Malcolm had? How does she end up getting her hands on it? So her and Brenda are the last two people in that doghouse challenge in the water. And whoever wins that challenge also gets information in the game. That's the place where you get information in the game. And so she agrees to share that information with Brenda no matter who wins, uh, they end up going to the one leg. Andrea ends up winning. She ultimately shares the clue with Brenda, but she feels uncomfortable. So she shares it with her entire alliance and they all go searching for it. It is the same idol that Malcolm was looking for, but it's the second clue to that idol. Right. And she recruits uh, Riken back. And I think he's the one that actually finds it, but he gives it to her. So how does it all come undone for Andrea? How does she end up going home at this tribal council where she's pushing for Brenda to be the next person to go out at the final seven? Right. So the main thing we see is we see Andrea talking to Cochran and she's telling him that she thinks that they need to get rid of Brenda or possibly Dawn. And he mentions about wanting to get Eddie to go home. And Andrea is really resistant to that idea. There's nothing really going to mm-hmm. happen with Eddie. So we really need to get out those two. Right. And she looks at Eddie as her new final three goat that she wants to take to the end. Like Malcolm had this guy and she's like, no, no, no. I need to take this guy. This mm-hmm. is going to be like my Natalie Tenerelli. I need to take with me. Right. And so Cochran says that he learned two main things coming out of that. He, well, three things. He learned that Andrea is really thinking forward, which is fine. He is also. But he also learned that Andrea has final three plans and he no longer feels like he's in them. Mm-hmm. And then also he knows that she's trying to target Don, which is absolutely not good for him because he's already realized at this point that Don is a perfect person to take to the end of this game. It's an interesting power struggle that's going on between Cochran and Andrea. And I do feel like that those are the two real power players that are left in the game because who's standing in her way outside of Cochran from going to the end of this game. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it could have been Brenda. She does talk about Brenda being a threat because she's so likable. But Brenda has nobody. Who does, who does Brenda have? She has Reichen back. And Andrea, I think probably if push comes to show, I think that she has Reichen back more than Brenda. Well, and that's what you would think. But in this vote where Andrea goes out, Eric votes against Andrea. Yeah, that he could go either way. So I guess so. Because he does. I mean, we do see Andrea pointing to the flag and there is that relationship with Eric. But I think that that's Part of Andrew's problem is she just she makes connections with people, but I don't think she makes ride or die deep connections with people. I don't think looking at either of her seasons, there's one person that she can trust fully and that fully trust her. Oh, wow. That's deep. So Andrea, she has the thing where, you know, she has like a good surface social game. But people don't feel like they bond with her, that they want to take her to the end or anything like that, where it's like they feel like that they really know her as a person. Right. And I don't know if that comes out of the Matt Elrod thing. Obviously, she was close to him. He gets voted out. Now she has no one. And going into the second season, she sort of has Philip, but I don't think that there's too much of a strong bond there. Okay. I think we're onto something here. Okay. So. That seems like something that Andrea would really need to shore up going into this game, because we talk about this all the time where we have like the Michelle Fitzgerald factor where really trust is everything on Survivor and how much, you know, you have to be likable. But people have to feel like they can really, really trust you. And with Andrea, it feels like that that's the thing where people like her. They want to vote with her. But do they feel this incredible bond to her? Right. And I don't think we've ever seen her get that maybe with Eddie, but it's hard to know because it's out of desperation and Eddie doesn't have a lot of agency in the yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. So Andrea going back and taking a look at Caramo and I mean, she really was right there in it. She has an idol at the final seven. If they don't get rid of her here, who knows how it ultimately works out for her so i guess maybe uh this is i'm um, now i'm more intrigued on an andrea 3.0 than i was at the start of this conversation yeah i was really impressed with andrea and caramo and i had watched it before obviously and it's a lot of the cochran show but if you're specifically watching for andrea you hear a lot of people thinking that she's the one that's in charge the three amigos they're not voting against cochran they're voting against andrea who are we going to throw our votes at? Oh, let's do Andrea again. She's the mm-hmm. one that's in charge. Nina, did you go back and listen to the evolution of strategy for this season? I did. Yes, for uh, both seasons. What did I say with Josh about Andrea? Well, you were definitely higher on Andrea than Josh was. Yes. Josh uh, was under the very mistaken impression that Ashley was the better of the three girls. <laughs> yeah. And where is she now? <laughs> Not a game changer, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anything else of note that I took away from Andrea in evolution strategy? Um, I think pretty much the stuff that you would imagine. You thought she was likable, non-threatening and just athletic enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were happy that she got back under the radar, but it's just what did she do then? There wasn't a whole lot she was able to do after that point. And you talked about she was really good about forgiving and forgetting to which Josh said that she forgave and forgot a little too much, (laughs) uh, which is how she got stuck in that position. So those were the major thoughts uh, in terms of her redemption Island game Mm -hmm. Uh, going into Caramon. You were really high on her because you thought that she really could fulfill that type of parvity second game. 
Yes. You're really excited about the idea that she could get in there, be a little bit under the radar based on her first season, grab some, not grab some guys. I suppose that's not. No, no, don't do that. (laughs) Uh, She could um, make an alliance, work with some guys and take it all the way to the end. What about coming out of Caramoan? What did I say about her? Oh, so you got it was really interesting because you did talk about uh, how she would look going on to a third run. And you both agreed that she'll do better than Malcolm. You thought Malcolm was in a lot of trouble. (laughs) but most of the problems that Andrea has are problems that are correctable. Oh, she definitely, she has the social game. She has the strategy. It's just a matter. And she's obviously got the physical presence in terms of challenges. So it's just a real matter of trying to bring those pieces together. There was a conversation about putting her around the 50th in terms of if you were going to rank the players, Mm -hmm. she's not elite. She's not great, but she's just whatever that tier is right below that. Solid. Mm-hmm. Solid. Yes. So I really like what you ended up saying about her in terms of that. Maybe it is a part of the social game. I mean, she definitely knows the strategy well enough. She definitely is athletic enough. But I think it's probably of those three sectors. I think that that's the one where she needs to take her social game into, you know, surface good into really, really great and uh, shore up those bonds with people that she plays with. So let's uh, start to factor in how that's going to play out in season 34. In any of my conversations with Andrea, did she ever give a sense to how she might play a third time? Um, More of the same, really, talking about uh, her confidence level. She felt too comfortable in her first season, which led to her ultimately getting blindsided. In her second season, she said the only time she felt comfortable was the time she got blindsided with her idol. So it's all about trying to make those moves and not not fall into a a comfort level within her alliance. But at the same time, I don't know if she ever got super comfortable because as we saw with the issue where she ends up going to the dawn and saying we have to put all our votes on Michael Snow. If there's ever a whisper that the votes are going to be from her, we've seen her run around and be probably too paranoid about something like that. So I don't know if she's complacent, but I think that maybe she needs to work on her nerves a little bit. Right. That was her perspective uh, coming out of it is that she just needs to continue to work on not being as comfortable in the game. But she definitely said that she would play again. She was happy to. Anything else that Andrea has ever said about playing survivor oh uh she well talking about going into caramoan she talked about that being chosen to return as an all-star is really humbling she was really happy about getting that and she thought that part of it obviously you're brought back because the fans like you and so she felt that you really need to play strong play hard really make the fans at home happy regardless of how it turns out. So I expect that we'll see no matter how she does in the season, I think uh, it'll be an enjoyable ride with Andrea as long as she lasts. And just to give us a sense of what you went back and listened to, what was your, <laughs> what was the most impressive Andrea moment in the history of Rob as a podcast? Oh, well, it's gotta be uh, her two runs at Miss Survivor. I think <laughs> are her best ones uh, in her first time going she, you know she almost breaks the floor of her apartment doing the worm mm-hmm. and there's a great moment in the miss survivor debate the second time against candace and sierra 
where you uh, there's a question that they have to say something mean about the other two. Uh, and Sierra mm-hmm. and Sierra and Candace go first and they're, oh, you're too nice or you weren't on my season, you know, and they get to Andrea and Andrea's like, OK, so Sierra, your rap was terrible. And Candace, your prank was fake. (laughs) Do you think that that animosity from Andrea calling out Sierra about her rap being terrible will carry over into season 34? Uh, I think so. I think there might be a little bit of resentment. (laughs) blood. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about some of these people that Andrea is going to be on season 34 with. And let's just uh, open the conversation with Malcolm. I know Malcolm is on the opposite tribe as Andrea, but you have to feel like that there's probably a solid shot. Both of them are going to be in the game long enough to see a swap or emerge. What do you think about the former Miss Survivor or former Mr. Survivor ending up working together again? Or do you think that that is a relationship that, as we saw in Karamoan, has some baggage? No, I think that there's a very, very good chance that they could end up working together. Uh, We know Andrea likes to work uh, primarily with male contestants. Mm -hmm. So he's got that going for him. And they were early on in Karamoan in an alliance together. It was a larger alliance, but Malcolm was considered, he did vote with them uh, in that first vote. And even when they were on opposite sides after the merge, you never really saw an animosity. Like I said, when they were at the, when she's following him around, stopping him from finding the idol, it's very congenial at that time. So I don't think that there I think it was just a matter of things not falling together. But I think they could definitely work together. That'll be fun to watch how it plays out. I mean, I think that they could work together, but will they be able to trust each other? Like, could you see them potentially like trying to work together to get to a final three? I have a hard time imagining that that would be the case. I think that in order for that to happen, there would need to be a swap pretty early Mm -hmm. and they would need to end up together at that point. If they don't see each other until the merge, I don't see them developing that sort of relationship. Right. Like I could see them being in an alliance of six together, but I can't see Mm -hmm. them being in a trust cluster together. Right. Not unless something happens at a, a swap tribe. All right, so let's start to take a look and do a deep dive into her actual tribe. Uh, which she is going to be on here with Sari, with Debbie, with Sarah Lucina, with uh, fan favorite Sierra Dylan Thomas, with Brad Culpepper, with JT, with Ozzy, with Ty, and with Zeke. And while we would say that Andrea has not seen any of these players on Survivor season before, as we learned in our Zeke expert interview that Andrea did play in a survivor Brooklyn with Zeke and she knows him. Yes, that's right. They weren't aligned in that season. So I don't know if there's any lingering bad blood from that. I mean, she was uh, the main reason he got voted out of that season, actually. Oh no. No. Do you think (laughs) that he's going to be carrying that grudge? Uh, I don't think so. I think he did. uh, He voted for her at the end of the game. So I think he got over it within those uh, many hours they spent together (laughs) in the park in Brooklyn. So Andrea, as a survivor Brooklyn winner, do you think that uh, that will experience will help her? Did she make any strong moves that you were impressed with in survivor Brooklyn? Well, it's a little hard to follow some of the moves uh, that are happening, but I can tell you that her final tribal council performance was excellent. 
impeccable. Yes. Uh, very good. She did a good job of, uh, you know, she gets a question about what your strongest move was. And she goes right to the person asking the question. Well, really, I think getting you out was really important to my game. So she did a great job, mm. I think, with the jury questions, which I don't think is surprising considering her career path that she would be yes. good in front of a group. Now, that's interesting. Now, she has been working at People and she does do Exit Press. You know, I joined her back in the spring and, I, yeah, you know, honestly, it's all coming together now. Yeah, that we talked to Debbie. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's why I'm oh. going to make a point about how, you know, some of these new people might only know her from the her doing the interviews mm-hmm. uh, and Debbie and Ty that she would have interviewed both of them. And now here we are. She's on a tribe with Debbie. And it was a very short segment, though. I don't even think that they do 15 minutes on on the exit interviews that she does. But at least that they might like have some sort of like, a, oh, she's a big celebrity. Well, we might have to take into consideration that Andrea just took the job at People so that she could get in good with some of these other potential returners. <laughs> yeah, that certainly could be the case. Uh, what about Andrea and Suri? Is that a relationship that you could see working? It's tough because I don't think we've ever seen Andrea successfully work with many other females. Right. I don't think that they're going to end up working together. I think that if you look at the tribe configuration, I more see Andrea teaming up with a JT, you know, going into Redemption Island. He she listed him as her favorite player. Oh, wow. And he's a. The type of people she likes to align with. It's interesting to end up seeing how this is going to go because we've talked about Andrea from the get-go about that, you know, does she have this Parvati upside? And we saw glimmers of it in Caramoan. But Sari did work with the original Parvati. And that wasn't a terrible experience for her. Yeah, I think that Sari would have a fine job doing that. I could definitely see Sari trying to replicate what she did in Fans vs. Favorites, get some girls together, start chipping away at some of these guys. But I just don't know if Andrea would so much be into that. I think Andrea is really big on challenge performance and people that work hard around camp. And so I just don't know if those two are going to gravitate toward each other. And I would say that the difference between Andrea and Parvati to me is that Parvati has an ability, which I do not believe that we have seen Andrea demonstrate yet on Survivor, is that it's not that what she does with the men, it's that Parvati has an ability that she gets the women that are around her to, for lack of a better word, fall in love with her. And I'm not even meaning like in a romantic way, but she gets mm-hmm. people to follow her blindly, like the Alexis's and the Natalie's and the Danielle Di Lorenzo's of the world. And Andrea does not seem to have that, that women are not willing to follow her blindly. No, and we haven't seen that yet. And I think Andrea herself would be, she said it in multiple podcasts that she's a tomboy. She gravitates towards guys. She has mostly male friends. So I don't know how easy it's going to be for her to flip that switch just because she's suddenly out on the island. So I would expect to see Andrea more teaming up with guys this season. So we've talked a lot about the idea of potentially Brad and JT and Ozzy working together. Do you see that as a likelihood? Uh, Yeah, I definitely can see that as a likelihood. And I think Andrea fits in nicely with that group because I think that 
especially somebody like a Brad Culpepper or an Ozzy, what are you going to see them complaining about people that don't work around camp, people that are weak in challenges? And Andrea is never going to be on their radar for those things. I could easily see them looking at an Andrea and possibly like a Sarah Lucina and saying, well, you guys are the ones doing all the work around here. We want to keep you two. And do you feel like that all those guys are going to be on board with her? Are they going to look at her as somebody who's too much of a wild card? I don't think so. I think Andrea benefits from the fact that both of her seasons are considered to be less than stellar seasons. And it's been a little while. You know, if you look at the recency bias, the last time she played was season 26. Now we're on season 34. So I'm not sure how aware of her previous plays either Brad Culpepper or Ozzy or JT are going to be. What about Ty? Is Ty the kind of guy that Andrea could work with? I don't know. I think Ty is going to be in some real trouble on this season just in general. I don't think that he's shown himself to be a particularly loyal person. I think that he's going to be in a lot of trouble. I don't think that he maybe the girls would pick him up. Mm-hmm. So I could see him going over there. I, th- I mean, the Andrea Zeke relationship, I think, is going to factor heavily into how the they fall on these tribes, because I could see Zeke teaming up with maybe some of the women more than an Aussie or a Brad Culpepper. And so I could see Andrea being pulled in two directions. And if that relationship with her and Zeke is good. That's how I could see her ending up in in an alliance with maybe some more of the females. The Andrea relationship is so huge for Zeke because I feel like he desperately needs her to vouch for him. Although maybe that's a bad look for him to say like, oh, yeah, I played in uh, Survivor Brooklyn with this guy. Like what? This guy is playing fake Survivor games? Get rid of him. Yeah, I don't think. Will they hide it? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was wondering. I think it's a huge advantage to have a relationship with somebody that nobody else knows. Yeah. Nobody knows that they have that relationship because you don't expect people, especially with a Zeke who mostly you've never even seen his season before. It just depends on whether they go the route and vote him out as an unknown quantity. Or like you said, if Andrea is able to shield him and bring him in, then I think that that could be the relationship she's been needing in her previous seasons Mm, yeah wow that would be fun and then in terms of some of these other players from the other tribe did andrea ever comment on any of these other players from the stuff that you heard about andrea uh tony she did a interview with you during uh kage on and mainly everything about tony makes her nervous Nervous. oh no (laughs) i think you could see that from a lot of different people a similar type of conversation Yeah. And like I said, she was a big fan of JT, big fan of Ozzy. I think that especially before she played, she was really focused more on the challenges than she was on the strategic portion of the game. In terms of Sierra, do you feel like that that could be a natural ally for her if that they can put the Miss Survivor business behind them? Uh, I think so. And, you know, they're two. They're almost the same age. Sierra is Sierra Easton is just a couple months older, actually, than Andrea. The only people on this season that are younger than Andrea are Haley and Michaela. Mm -hmm. So for somebody that has a ton of experience coming into the season, it's surprising to me. Uh, how young Andrea still is compared to the rest of her tribe. The only people here that have played more days than her are Ozzy, Suri, and Sandra. Nina, how uncomfortable was I when Andrea was being interviewed by me and Vetus at the same time? <laughs> uh, you know, it was 
wasn't as bad on the re-listen as I thought it was the first time. I thought Andrea handled it uh, expertly. Uh, I think you have to watch the video for the full effect on uh, Right, on getting one. a little close there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the third wheel on that one. Okay. What, any other misconceptions about Andrea that you can think of that people may have wrong about her? Well, one thing I think, Andrew, I don't think it can be under stated is Andrea's challenge performance. I think that people already see her as a good challenge performer. I think that it's beyond that. I think Andrea is an excellent challenge performer. You see in both of her seasons when somebody has to go twice or go to the get the farthest block, it's always Andrea is the one doing that. Puzzles? Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen Andrea tackle a puzzle, so I wouldn't be expecting to see her in that role anytime soon. One nugget that I did notice in rewatching is that one thing you can be sure you'll see this season is Andrea carrying the immunity idol. She loves to grab that thing. After a challenge, she loves to be the one bringing it in, starting the new challenge. She seems to always be the one holding on to that. How do you think the experience of being voted out with the hidden immunity idol will change Andrea? I think that if she has an idol... I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that. I think that she is very paranoid. I mean, going back to Survivor Brooklyn, she has an immunity idol in Survivor Brooklyn in every single episode. It's, are you sure I don't need to play it? Are you sure I don't need to play this? I'm thinking about playing this. So if that's any indication, I think that uh, it might just be best for Andrea if she just stays far away from the uh, immunity idols going into this season. Yeah, I know you've thought a lot about this. You've listened to a lot of Andrea interviews. You've watched a lot of Andrea on Survivor. Do you have a prediction for her going into season 34? I think it's tough because there are so many variables going into a Survivor season. I think she's definitely going to make the merge. I feel very good about Andrea making the merge if you were going to start penciling people in. And part of that is just, I think her starting tribe is really strong. Mm -hmm. I find that her starting tribe is a lot stronger than the other one. So I expect to see them winning quite a bit. And then it's just a matter of if she can find that person. I think that if Andrea can make that sort of long-term, comfortable relationship with a Zeke or a Malcolm or anybody, that she has a real chance. I don't think she'll be considered a big threat starting out the game because I think there are just so many other more threatening people on the season. And I think that if she wants to make it really far in the game, she's going to have to keep it that way. Almost play a Jeremy type game where you keep strong people around you because it's really when those people start falling off that you see Andrea getting targeted. I think that there's some sort of a research paper I'd like to write about the arc of a survivor. And in most cases, it's a bit of a shooting star. I think that that arc is somewhere there's a data point of where the survivor is underestimated in their first appearance. And sometimes they're underestimated to the point where they end up going really far in their original season and even potentially winning the game. But Andrea came out of Redemption Island with the underestimated thing. Then they end up coming back and then they have an opportunity to really play and play at a point when people are perhaps underestimating their ability and they have a chance to really show what they can do. That might have been the second time Andrea played. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the first time people have a good run in the first time. Sometimes it could be, you know, in the first season you could have the underestimated data point and then showing off what you can do data point that could happen in the same season for some people i don't need to name names and then then the <laughs> third time the third data point is oh 
Now we all know what you can do and you're a target. Now let's see what you can do where people are gunning for you. I feel like that this is the third data point for Andrea this time around. Yeah, I think that her best bet is to try to, as much as possible, lower that target. If she can emphasize the fact that she was voted out with an idol, that season is really more seen as Cochrane's season. People remember Andrea's being strategic, but I don't think that they remember specifics about Andrea's game. And I think that if she can get together with some other bigger targets than her, let them be the, you know, mouthpiece for that alliance, put her input in, but not be the one driving the bus. I think that she could be shaded to some point. It's going to be tough. I think she's got a real uphill battle and uh, you certainly know that I'm rooting for her, but I think that people are probably in a season where trust is going to be very important. I think for these returning players, I think it's hard for her to suddenly become the second chance version of Jeremy Collins. Yeah, it's going to be tough for sure. But I do think that this is a season of targets. You have people like a Sari and a Sandra that have obviously done really well on previous runs. You have unknown quantities like Michaela. I think people are going to be afraid of them. I mean, even if you look at a Sierra Easton, I think that because Sierra is so much more aggressive in her tone and the way she talks about things, she would be targeted over an Andrea, depending on how they play coming out of the gate. All right. Well, what is your official prediction for Andrea? I'd like to predict a win for Andrea, but my prediction. We all would. (laughs) I think that she's going to end up in a similar place. I think she's going to be either fifth or sixth. Fifth or sixth out or fifth or sixth from the end? Yeah, I think she's going to make it far. I do. I think that she's not going to get voted out early. I think she's going to make it through the merge for sure. I think she's going to be fine until people really start thinking about what that end game looks like. Who do you want to sit with at the end? And I don't think that answer answer is really ever going to be Andrea. So unless she can go on some sort of epic immunity run, I don't think that she's going to be able to get over that hump. All right. Well, Nina, fantastic job here with the Andrew report. This was a very fun one to go through. And so I commend you for your hard work here on this effort. Yes, it's definitely a prolific player and podcaster, Andrea is. So it was a lot of stuff to go through, but it was really fun. So uh, great work there. We're looking forward to seeing Andrea come back for uh, time number three. And hopefully uh, she won't be on the podcast again for many, many weeks uh, from now. And hopefully she'll be able to get her own exit interview. Both times she had an exit interview. The first time uh, she had to share it with Ashley, and then the second time she had to share it with Reynolds. Here's hoping Andrea gets her own podcast this time. Yes, I mean, she's had enough of her own podcast (laughs) along the way, but yeah, that would be good if we could finally get one for her. Nina, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they could follow you at Nina Stoddard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything else you want to let people know about? Uh, Nope, that'll be it. Okay, all right. Well, Nina, again, Great job and uh, looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Okay. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. Nina Stoddard talking about the return of Andrea Belke to Survivor. Of course, if you want to know more about Andrea in Redemption Island in Caramoan, we've got the evolution of strategy where we explored everything. And I was higher on Andrea than Josh Wiggler was back in TOS 22. You can check that all out. Go to Evolution of strategy 
Com and we'll see how it all plays out for Andrea here in season 34. All right. Now we have another one of our game changer previews coming up as it's time to bring back beast mode cowboy. Of course, medevaced out of Survivor Co. Wrong, star of Big Brother 16. He is back and to talk beast mode with me is one of our beast mode listeners, Jen Manning. Join me to talk Caleb Reynolds. All right, everybody. So now let's switch gears and talk about another one of our game changers who's coming back. Now, this is a very unique individual for a lot of ways, uh, but specifically that this person uh, had a very short stint in Survivor Co. Wrong. They actually never went to a tribal council, but they did spend a very long time on our TV in Big Brother 16. So here to talk about the triumphant return to Survivor of beast mode cowboy is everybody's friend jen manning jen how are you i'm great rob how are you uh doing very good excited to talk about the bmc back again the prophecy was foretold to us when he left that he will play again right Absolutely. He's 100% recovered. He will play again. We cannot be reminded more. Yes. And so here he is. That didn't take long. And here is Jen Manning. Now, Jen Manning has been heard uh, many times before going back to the old Spice and Hour days of the podcast and uh, even a infamous run in with Ken Bone on News AF. But for people who don't know Jen Manning, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I will be 26 in a couple weeks. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, you know, I, I love Big Brother and Survivor. Uh, and I'm just very, very excited to be on my favorite podcast of all time. Okay, good, good. Well, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, Jen, but I hope that we can uh, deliver. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to getting into this conversation about Beast Mode Cowboy. So, Jen, I know uh, that you really have done a lot of research to uh, cover Beast Mode Cowboy. So what have you done to prepare for this conversation? You know, for people who don't know the general format of Big Brother, there's 40 episodes. They are in the house for 90 plus days, sometimes almost 100 days. And same amount of cast members that are on a Survivor season, which is 39 days. And so I just went through and I watched the most pivotal points in Big Brother 16, which can be broken down to, you know, the beginning part of it and then right in the middle in pre-jury and then the end of it and eventually on to Derek Lavasser's win. Uh, Caleb ended up making it to final four and you know, he was such an interesting character all the way through. So he had so many, you know, YouTube clips made of him. And I went through and I watched all of that. I listened to, I've recently listened to all of your BB 16 coverage uh, over oh the past year. And then very recently. And you're okay. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm better than ever. You lived to tell uh, the tale. <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. Uh, and uh, of course I watched the four episodes that he was in in Korong <sighs> Uh, as well as listening to all of his, uh, you know, his exit interviews with you and Josh Regular, and as well as all your podcasts from the early parts of Korong. Okay. So Jen, I feel like that there's so many different parts of Caleb's character that we've seen over these last couple of years. And I, I feel like that there's almost like three distinct characters where we had the guy who was sort of like flying off the rails free Amber going out in BB 16. Then you had sort of the lovable goofball in the second half of BB 16. 
And then you had sort of hero Caleb showing up in Survivor Korong. So in your mind, do you feel like you have a good sense of who the real Caleb is? I think that's tough to say because editing can do wonders. I mean, it really can. Like, I feel like the consensus of the live feeders from Big Brother would say that, you know, Caleb is one to tell tall tales and he's one to be very emotional and he's one to, you know, be very, very friendly and agreeable as well. And then we don't get to see nearly as much on Survivor. I feel like he is who he is through and through big brother and survivor. It's just when he's put into circumstances, like finding a very attractive woman, he's he's single in the beginning of summer of 2014. And, and, you know, he's, as Devin bro would say, you're a love struck puppy, bro. <laughs> and then, and then going to Amber is evicted because she's a physical threat. And then he starts being like uh, similar to almost Brendan and BB12, where once Rachel left the game, he kind of had his head on straight. And, you know, I think that at the end of the day, as Mo Cowboy <laughs> yes, would say, yes. you can't describe him anything other than just loyal and agreeable. And uh, so I feel like I do have a sense of who he is and how he will play in season 34. Jen, in your mind, is there anywhere to go but down for Beast Mode Cowboy after the edit that he received in Survivor Go Wrong? Because in my mind, I think that with potentially some of the flaws we saw in his BB-16 game, he never had to go to a tribal council. He never had to vote. He never had to play the strategic game at a high level. And in my mind, I'm reminded of the old quote that you could either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he, in sense, he did die a hero in Survivor Co. Wrong. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and to your point of, is there anywhere to go but down? Uh, no, I think Caleb still has a story that needs to be told. I mean, it was obvious that the producer saw something in him. It was obvious that Jeff Probst is in love with him. It's, you know, it can go much bigger than obviously what happened. And I think the only reason why he got a hero edit in Korong was because he was doing the eventual medevac. I think that if they didn't want to bring him back, then they wouldn't have given him that hero edit. I think they would have given him like the all, all the other medevac edits, but he, he they, they kind of left off in the middle and still gave room to tell the rest of his story. I, and I think that the most important that I'm gonna, important thing that I'm going to talk to you about today is just his reputation. I mean, we see in the beginning of Ko Rong that you the, the girls are on the beach and they look over at Caleb and they say, "Hey, I think he was on Big Brother. He had an alliance of nine. He stuck to it, and that is something that." is worth gold in the game of Survivor. Mm -hmm. And and it's worth gold to his reputation. His reputation is something that's only going to precede him very highly if the people who he's playing with in season 34 understand who he is and was in BB-16. Because there's no negatives to point at if you're playing. He's like pretty much the perfect uh, alliance member. He's so cohesive. When he's in an alliance... He is not someone that is overbearing like a Zach or a Devin or, uh, you know, and I'm pointing to BB-16 because it's 
a great reference point to who Caleb actually is. But he is someone who is like the glue to his alliance. And although he may not be in control of his alliance and he may not be aware that he's not in control of his alliance. <laughs> yes. But but he is someone that is a solid alliance member. You know, I, I remember Stephen Fishback comparing him to an LJ and you said that's the best compliment you could give him. And because Stephen loves LJ. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and I think from Stephen's point of view, who hasn't watched Big Brother, Stephen thought that he was excellent and he could have gone far if he had stayed in the game. Yeah. And it's interesting that that's the reputation that Caleb brings with him from Big Brother, where he is like this loyal alliance mate that you can always count on that's never going to flip on his alliance. But I do feel like that in the early days of Big Brother, maybe if it wasn't for Devin Bro. I think that people would have said that Caleb was one of the most volatile members of the house and somebody who was pretty impulsive. Am I remembering that wrong? Uh, no, you're not remembering that wrong. I, there is a scene in Big Brother 16 where, you know, Caleb is just obsessed with Amber. And it's it's gone to the point where, you know, he's open in the shades in the morning and he says, you see my girl today, you see my girl today. And they're just looking at him like, you're crazy, you know, and and I he was just in that. I don't know what it's like to be in a house with no technology and just these people. But I imagine it's very, very hard. He comes up to Cody and he's like, you know, you're a good looking guy. I'm a good looking guy. You know, I don't want this to come between us. So I think when he does have an issue in the game, he does approach it correctly. But you're right. I think that Devin was his, I guess, meat shield or just crazy strategic shield as you would in the beginning parts of Big Brother 16. But do you think that there's a chance that if he does end up in a longer game that we could ever see that side of his personality come up? Or do you feel like that so much time has passed, he's grown as a person, that he's gone through this experience, he's gotten married since then, and that part of him just doesn't exist anymore? Uh, You know, I think that it does exist somewhere. I mean, I think that there's so many X factors. It, it, it's going to depend on what he's going through and who he's surrounded with. But I think that in this specific season, there are so many more bigger targets where in a typical season, Caleb would probably be a merge boot. I think that Caleb has the chance to get to either four or five without, you know, maybe in like the Keith nail spot. Uh but it's it's not it's not something I, I foresee that he, you know, uh, goes crazy and people are talking crap behind his back in a way that they were in Big Brother 16. So I'm curious to know how if we got to see Caleb ever play deep into a survivor game where he played so close with Derek Lavasser, one of, you know, on anybody's list, but one of the best four or five Big Brother players to ever play the game. He kept everything so buttoned up on complete lockdown in terms of making everybody in that alliance feel safe and comfortable the whole time. How do you think that Caleb would react potentially to a scenario where it's a really crazy post-merge like the one we saw in Survivor Cambodia where nobody can really make anybody feel safe and secure about what's going on? I don't think he'd re react well in that situation. And it's very possible that that's going to happen in season 34, just looking at some of the players that he's surrounded by. But I do think that some of the players that he's surrounded by in the beginning parts of the game, the, the people that make for craziness 
are most likely going to get voted out in the early parts of the game um, just for the reputation that precedes them. I think that Caleb is, like I said, that Caleb has really good alliance creating skills. Yes, he is willing to speak up when it might not be the right time or place, and that may put a target on his back. But I think all in all, at the end of the day, like it, it's, yeah, I know I'm too many episodes and clips. Of Big Brother <laughs> You've been watching too much. You've been incepted, Jen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> heard that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. It, we, we don't, the unknown is what we don't know what Caleb looks like when the target isn't clear. Like it often is in Big Brother with two guaranteed nominations on the block. He's sitting pretty on the sides of the couches. You know, it's not always so clear most of the time in Survivor. And that's what doesn't translate between the games. And that's what I hope he goes into season 34 realizing that when someone comes up to him telling him to vote for this person, yeah, you should probably second guess that and not trust everyone you're talking to. Because I feel like it's such, the, the way the Big Brother format is, is so predictable at times, maybe not to the casual viewers, but maybe to the live feeders. And when there is you know, this up in the air, you know, thoughts going on on the island, it it might be the thing that takes them out of the game, trusting too many people. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We just don't know so much about him as a player. I believe uh, the great Corinne Kaplan said in one of her seasons that it was a Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And we just haven't seen Caleb take a shot yet in a survivor game that didn't come from a reward challenge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you even said in the seven things you need to know about survivor core wrong. I don't think he will be a good ambassador for big brother and people come away watching him saying, Oh, if these are the people that are on big brother, I need to go watch big brother. Like, you you know, and I think that you said it perfectly. Well, in hindsight, I think I was too hard on him and he, and I think he was upset also on social media after that. I think that I thought that he was going to come in like a hot mess into survivor. And I never saw that he was going to have, you know, a quick, but very, very positive experience uh, as far as the fans are concerned. I missed the boat, Jen. I didn't see that coming. I feel like a lot of people thought that, though. That's the reason why I said I said you said it perfectly, because that's what everyone was thinking. And like we set such low expectations for how he was going to do in Survivor, because I think a lot of us fans have a perception that Survivor's harder. And I agree with that. But it's just I think that Caleb's built for Survivor. That's the thing. He he's he's like, I consider him such a good alliance member and such a person to I would I would work with him. There's no reason I wouldn't. He's a pretty honest guy in terms of the game. You know, even in the diary rooms in Big Brother, he would be honest to the cameras and then say the same things to his housemates. And yeah, that's, that's not so great, but I think that he's going to do great in season 34. I think that he has this reputation that is unlike anything we've seen before. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that he's probably better suited to survivor than to uh, a game like big brother. But I do wonder, Jen, if his upside might be to be like a, finalist who loses where that I don't know if he can articulate his game. And I feel like that he could easily have a trajectory like a Ken from this past season where he's very much into honor, loyalty, not crossing people and not not lying during the game. But then I think when it comes time to explain what you did during the game, I think he would really struggle in a final tribal council. But that is way putting the cart ahead of the horse. 
Right. Well, to, to just speak off what you just said, you know, I don't think that Caleb has the highest chance to win on his new cast. I, I would be crazy if I thought that. I mean, it's it's something that is it, it, you got to be unique circumstances for him to win in the end. And yes, that happens all the time in these games when the leader in the tribe, you know, has a wing man or a wing woman who swings in at the last minute to win it after that person was seen too much as a jury threat, just like David and Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, depending on who he's playing with towards the end, he might be that jury threat. And he might be seen as the person who can be taken to the end just for the fact that whoever's sitting next to him might not have the confidence that Kay will be able to swing together an argument good enough to win the game. And that's where I see him winning, coming in the clinch, like just being, you know, the person that's actually liked in the final three. And the people sitting next to him thought that he maybe wasn't the brightest crayon in the box to say, this is why I deserve the million dollars. Okay, Jen, let me go back to Big Brother for a little bit before we talk about his Survivor game, just because there's so much more meat there in his Big Brother season. What did you see that he did? I know where we've talked about, okay, he was a loyal ally. He didn't flip. They could count on him. He stayed true to the group. But was there ever a point that you saw in the rewatch where you said that, boy, that was actually a really smart move that he made. Did he have any high points strategically in big brother 16? Yes. I can point to one in particular. That is there was the week that Zach and Jocasta were up on the block and Derek wanted to send Zach out of the house. He was just too much of a loose cannon and they were outside playing pool and Caleb comes up to Cody and Derek. And he says, you know, if we send out Zach right now, we won't have the numbers. And if we stay loyal, how we're supposed to be loyal, we can make it to the end. And that is when we thought Zach was dead to rights. And yes, it all came off of him thinking about the numbers and being loyal. But I think there was like a bit of strategic emphasis to what he had said to them out out in the backyard. A real Keith Nail stick to the plan moment. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's if you split Caleb's time into pre Amber's eviction and post Amber's eviction, they seem like two incredibly different people. And I think a lot of people don't remember that he completely changed. Like there was a time where they were actually looking like Caleb might win this. Like if we don't and I'll point to the rewind week. So for everyone that is listening that didn't see Big Brother 16, at the point of the final five, they put a button in the house. That was a reset week. That week. But they didn't know what the button was. It was just, there's a button and it was like a room and it had a button in it. And they said, if anybody touches the button, something will happen. But they didn't tell them what was going to happen. Yeah. There was a countdown. It was like there was going to be a bomb going off if they press this button. (laughs) It was this this room where Caleb would walk into and pretend like he was going to press the button and do Judy chops on. I don't know. You've probably heard that before if you've never even seen Big Brother 16. And and it's really really funny to think back to that week because Frankie – won that HOH and Frankie won that power of veto. Now, Frankie's plan was to take Caleb to the end, um, most likely along with Derek. But, you know, it, it was somewhat unclear because the week stopped at a dead halt. They Julie Chen said, you guys press the button. You know, Derek went into the diary room to vote and they said, 
Guys, we're just starting this week over. Forget last week. That never happened. Nope. They played the same competitions. Caleb won the HOH. Cody won the POV. And Cody and Derek voted out Frankie. And Frankie was gone. And I think that if they never... I'm still hurting over that, Jen. (laughs) Why? Because you had to podcast the same week. (laughs) The great Frankie Grande. Could have won. Yeah. Who was going to go out in the original version of the week? The Frankie Grande HOH version of the week. I would say Victoria. Victoria. Okay. Yeah, because I don't think Frankie respected the fact that she was still there. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a pretty good possibility that Caleb would have been in the end if that week never reset. But it worked out in, you know, the Hitmen's Alliance favor. And Derek ended up going, uh, well, Cody ended up winning it for Derek in the end. When you went back and watched this, I know we've talked a lot about the Amber era of Caleb. Now, on the rewatch, did that come across to you as just as bad or in listening to the podcast talking about it? Was there discussion about how that was really overblown and more of a TV thing than something that was actually going on in the house? Yeah, so there's this like uh, probably three hour uh, YouTube video that is just titled uh, Caleb Amber Stockmans. <laughs> and I wa- I watched that whole thing. Um, so it was it was interesting. It's funny. I, that's, wh- I, that's why I like Caleb. He's unintentionally funny. And it's my favorite type of archetype to see on these shows. And it's, it makes for great podcasting. And, and uh, combined with Devin in the beginning of Big Brother 16, it was, it was just amazing to, to watch. Um, so I watched this three-hour craziness. And the, some of the stuff that you see in there is as bad as you remember, sometimes worse. He takes Amber out in this Big Brother date because he eats a pickle that he wouldn't, he would never eat pickles, pickle, pickle, pickles, pickle. pickles are gross. Pickles are like, like if survivor has a gross food eating challenge, they should bring Wait, out a he jar hate of pickles pick- or she hated pickles. No, he, he hated pickles with everything inside of him. And then Amber was like, Caleb, if you eat this pickle, I'll go on a date with you. And then everyone was like, Caleb, eat the pickle, eat the pickle. And he ate the pickle and she's like, oh my God, I didn't think you'd actually do that. And then they, you know, went out in the backyard and, and had their BB date. And Mm -hmm. it was fast. It was fascinating the whole time. He's just it's it's such a beautiful unrequited love story and it's 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 told so beautifully in the editing in this in this YouTube video but it's funny because you know that's not who he is today obviously yeah. and I'm able to look back on it and well he was looking and, uh, for love and he eventually would find it but going back to the amber thing on the rewatch of it, was it always from her perspective, like, okay, this is annoying, this guy has a crush on me, or was she ever legitimately like, you know, this is concerning to me? Uh, I think she didn't think it was concerning for her, like, safety or anything. I think she was thinking it was concerning for her game and the fact that she could never have a conversation with anyone in the house without anyone being like, so, Amber, how's your boyfriend? And she'd be like, stop, stop, stop. And I think that's what you know, and you actually had Amber on the podcast and I listened to it and she definitely says Caleb was a downfall of her game. And, but you know, in the end it was really team America, to be honest with you. Uh, he sacrificed his game. You know, he went on the block. He volunteered to go on the block four times. <laughs> I forgot about as that. As opposed, as opposed to Derek, never on the block for 55 nominations because there were four <laughs> nominations a week and it was the first season of battle of the block. 
and it was it was scary the fact the, how how easily Derek could convince Caleb to volunteer to go up on the block. And, you know, he did it just because he wanted to show Amber that, hey, don't bite the hand that feeds you. And that was a little concerning to me because that's like, is something wrong in his head? We were all thinking like she, she's, he's like threatening her with the nomination. Then he's like going back to her saying, well, I volunteered to go up on the block for you. And, you know, and then she's like, oh, my God, if my sister's watching this, you know, she's going to be so upset with me if I don't do this. And and she was just trying her best. She's, she was a recruit. She didn't know anything mm-hmm. about the game. You know, I think that it was more concerning to the people that were in Caleb's alliance, like relax you know she's you know they were screaming in the diary room she's not into you bro like i think that uh it was just a delusional one-sided flirt man that lasted like five weeks okay jen was there anything else that you saw from bb16 as it pertains to beast mode cowboy because i'm telling you that i think a lot of our survivor listeners are getting a cold sweat this is more they've ever heard about big brother in their entire lives some of them and I, I understand how you guys might feel right now. I, I mean, there is nothing really pertaining other to, to BB-16. Josh Wiggler is in the fetal position right now. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Karang if you'd like. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, but, no, but in all seriousness, was there anything else that you saw from Big Brother 16 that you want to mention? No, uh, not really. Uh, I, I feel like it's just... It was it, the, the edit played a huge part in the perception of how the fans viewed Caleb. And I think that at, two years later, he's playing Survivor. Now, I believe three years, no, it's two and a half years once he plays uh, in the actual season last year in 34. And I think that he's probably matured a lot in that time. He's not so much looking for fame as he was when entering BB16. I think he's actually playing for his family. Let's talk about his short run in Survivor Korong. And he ends up as mm-hmm. part of the beauty tribe uh, in the brains versus brawn versus beauty second time around. And so he ends up being spotted pretty early on. I believe it's Julia Sokolowski who is able to identify, hey, I think that that guy was on Big Brother. How is he received overall by his tribe in that game? I would say probably the best out of anyone in the beginning of those four episodes on any tribe. I mean, Julia tells Anna about Caleb being on Big Brother, and then you cut to Anna immediately in a confessional saying, he an alliance of nine on Big Brother and kept it the whole way. And like the perception of Caleb on day one of Survivor is just basically that he's a hardworking, loyal person for your alliance. And, um, you know, and he sat down with them in the sand and, you know, just basically said, yeah, I was on Big Brother. I didn't want to come out with that. And he's very sensitive in the way he says it. And, you know, I I went, I saw a secret scene on YouTube as well, where Caleb's a little emotional about missing his fiance, Ashley. And, and, you know, you, you see Michelle and Julia over far, far away and another camera on them saying, wow, he looks really sad. I feel so bad. And I think that the way he's able to portray how he feels just as a, you know, he has the exterior of such a tough man, the way he portrays how he feels in an emotional sense really can get into women's hearts. And I don't think it's so much intentional as it is just who he is. He can really emote. He's not like the strong, silent type. He can really like talk about what's going on as well. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to see how he is a tribal council. I mean, it, it's He's sensitive. Yeah. If you want to call 
Caleb a game changer in any sense. The only thing that's that is Caleb's the first person to ever do is to go to a tribal council for the first time on his second appearance on Survivor. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. The only <laughs> other people to go out of the game and never attend a tribal council, of course, uh, the great uh, Wanda and Jonathan, I believe also uh, Papa Smurf, Courtney Moon, and Dana Lambert are the only ones, but uh, they have not come back yet. Yeah, we're still holding our breath for Wanda's return to Survivor, the triumphant Wanda return. But yeah, so he will be the first person. Well, again, assuming he gets to a tribal council. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh God, I, I hope so. I hope he could so. get to his first one on his third season. Oh yeah, and they will bring him back. <laughs> they will. They will bring him back. Jeff really wants to talk to him at a tribal council. Okay. So then let's uh, talk about uh, the relationship with Ty, because that was a very important part of the early going on the show. I had had some questions coming into the season, whether they were going to get along or not, but they get along far better than I ever could imagine. I know there's a really cute scene where Caleb, you know, Caleb's eating something and he's kind of being finicky about it. And Ty goes, Caleb, you have like the appetite of a child. It's so cute. <laughs> and like, you know, and, you know, Ty thinks Caleb is like so cuddalicious. And Caleb, he was just able to get along with everyone on his beauty tribe. And, you know, Michelle is, is saying, you know, you guys argue like a married couple and you kiss and make up and then, mm-hmm. you know, c- cut to the scene, hashtag stolen kiss, where Ty is like going to take something right out of Caleb's mouth. And it was something that really spoke to the viewers of survivor at the time and you know me just having such low expectations like he's not going to have any self-awareness or anything but no he actually did and i it was it was such a cute romance with ty and i wish we had got to see more t-bird must have been so excited for that unlikely duo to come about <laughs> between ty and yeah. Peaceful cowboy so yeah what about strategically i know they never went to a tribal council before he ends up getting medevaced but what would the mm-hmm. alliances have been had they gone to a tribal council like who would he have voted with uh my perception is that he probably would have voted with the girls and they would have voted out nick i don't think that the the thought that ty actually had an idol was that big of, it might have been a big issue but i think that the girls were bonding so well with caleb and ty i think they would have thought it was to their benefit to keep them And I do believe that the girls were very much like looking forward to playing the game with Caleb. But I think that you look at Caleb and you're like, oh, he's just a typical merge boot. But then you talk to Caleb and you're like, no, I'm going to take this guy further. And I think that's what Michelle, Julia, probably eventually Aubrey, probably eventually Sydney would have done. Because I think that the reason why they all kind of took Ty to the end was because he couldn't formulate a argument that could save his life in the end after everything he had done. But it's so hard to tell. There's so many X factors. You have the tribe swap. Who would he have been with? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows if Julia would have been alone on the Totang tribe? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of X factors, but I do think he would have done well. Well, I think that's a fascinating hypothetical just to talk through for fun. What do you think happens? Let's just skip the swap tribes and let's just put Caleb into the mix at the merge of Survivor or Korong. 
Who do you think that he sticks with? Do you think that the beauty tribe ends up sticking together as a block? Or do you think that he ends up sort of being absorbed into Kyle Jason and Scott Pollard? I do not see that happening. You know, like we've been saying this whole podcast, he's a very emotional person. I think that all the crap that Kyle Jason and, and Scott Pollard were trying to sabotage everyone, I don't think Caleb would have put up with that. I think that he's really one to stick up for women around him being the old, good old country boy he is. I think that he would have stuck with the women, stuck with Ty, with the butterfly effect. Does yes. Neil still get medevac? I'll say yes, Neil still gets medevac, but then not necessarily does Nick Majorano get blindsided and those guys might not be pouring the water out and Caleb might just meet up with them and be like, oh, wow, an NBA player and wow, you're, you're a bounty hunter. That's cool. I Maybe Anna wouldn't have blown up and tried to throw Ty under the bus saying he is an idol. Maybe Anna would have still been in the game. Maybe Ty would have been gone. Maybe Debbie really has an inkling towards Caleb. I think that there probably were more options for Caleb in Survivor 32 than there were for anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's a wacky it season is. to go through uh, if you change some of those uh, medevacs around. All right. So let's talk about the actual moment where Caleb went out of the game. And uh, we got certainly some more information about it following uh, his exit interviews and stuff from the show about how he turns out that he wasn't drinking enough water. For those of us who uh, have a short memory, could you just reset that for us? So your interview with him basically went, you know, you're like, you know, my heart goes out to you. Tell us about your recovery. And he said that he was life flighted. Uh, he was in the ICU for five and five and a half days trying to get all of his levels back to normal. And they wanted to keep him there longer. There were no American doctors. He, you know, it was rough for him. And he when once he came home, he was trying to eat again and trying to drink water and and not and not stay outside. And I think that the most important thing to recognize with Caleb going into season 32 was in the article that Josh Wiggler did with him. Caleb speaks of the fact that he was competing in a men's fitness physique, kind of like bodybuilding show. And he told Josh Wiggler that I had about three weeks to prepare and I was only at 8% body fat at that point, Mm -hmm. but he didn't want to pass up the chance to go on Survivor. And the reason why he had heat stroke at that challenge was because his muscles were just being drained of all the water and he had no body fat on him and his muscles had very little. He wasn't sweating. And, you know, Debbie and Sydney went down from heat exhaustion. He went down from heat stroke. I think that he obviously knows now hey, I'm going on Survivor. I have to prepare. I got to put some fat on, on this body. He, he went from eating so many calories a day to eating like 100 calories a day. So it wasn't easy for him. And even though he was a beast in the challenges, when he goes down, I think that that could have been prevented if he had time to prepare. Do so you think we could be seeing a beefier beast mode cowboy in I season hope so. 34? Yes. Okay. I hope so. We'll see. Definitely. We'll see. He won't look like a have not. He'll be a, a have before he gets ready to go and play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jen, what adjustment do you think that he needs to make? I mean, it's hard to talk about this because he's a guy who never went to a tribal council. But did you see anything that you think that he needs to change before playing the second time? Uh, I would say it's not so much what he needed to change from Korong, because I don't think I or anyone could really point to anything negative he did just because of the edit. 
But I do think once he has been seen on Survivor by all of his friends and just the people that surround him in his daily life, and if there's good people around him, and just like we saw Derek giving the recent winner, Nicole, a pep talk before she went into Big Brother. And I think that people are going to be more willing to give him advice on how he can really make this happen. I don't think that he's ready for the field of people that are ahead of him. I really don't. I think that he probably will be thinking about who else from his season will be on the cast. And that actually might hurt him because, you know, just like we saw in second chances where the four people from Kagiyan didn't want to get together because that is so obvious. I don't think Caleb has the awareness to not stick with someone like Ty or Mm. just the people he's met previously. But if he does have that awareness, if he does have the awareness and the perception that yes, he will be a typical merge boot if he doesn't slow it down. Um, And, and if, if he focuses on trying to win a battle over the whole war, that might hurt him in the end. But I think that he might just have it to realize he needs to slow down and he might actually get further than he thought he would instead of giving 100%. So that's the advice I'd give him. Okay, Jen, That since we were talking a little bit Big Brother, so back in Big Brother All-Stars, there was a bunch of people that were all from Big Brother 6 that made the cast from Big Brother 7. It was right after you know Big Brother 6 had aired. And so it was very fresh in people's minds. There's four people in the cast from Survivor Co. Wrong. 20% of the cast is from Survivor Co. Wrong. Do you think that people will target them just as a block because, hey, they're going to work together if they all meet up at the merge? The thing is, is I feel like Debbie has a personality to be voted out early. Aubrey has the reputation to be voted out early. And I do think that if you see Ty and Caleb together, that's not really that threatening. But I do think that Aubrey might be smart enough to realize that she needs to kind of be a lone wolf. So I don't really think they'll get together. All right, well, let's drill down a little further into Caleb's tribe here in Survivor 34. Now, he's going to start in a tribe with Aubrey. Do you feel like, and they never played in the game together, but they certainly have a lot of mutual friends in this cast. Do you feel like that Aubrey and Caleb are likely to be working together? Because I'll tell you what, I think there's a non-zero chance that Aubrey is the only person on this tribe that Caleb even knows who they are. It's kind of hard to picture Aubrey and Caleb working together. They are very, very different. But I can see Caleb being a fan of Survivor after he's already played and gone back to watch some of these seasons. I don't think that Caleb's going to have any hesitation to be the leader. Um, And I think that he could do well in the beginning. And no one's going to vote him out pre-merge anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would seem unlikely. Let's talk about Tony, because I think that there's been this idea of that Tony and Beast Mode Cowboy could end up hooking up because Tony and I'm not talking like a Joey Rodriguez type of thing. uh, But I think that Tony could end up with Beast Mode Cowboy because he could be this season's woo, potentially. And Caleb might not be as threatened by Tony as some other people who have watched Kagiyan and all of the other seasons over the last couple of years and been following the legacy of Tony as much. Do you think that's a good pairing for Caleb? That's actually really smart of you to say. That's I can I can see that happening. I mean, if there is an archetype that Caleb falls in line with, a game playing police officer, it feels like something that's very (laughs) familiar for Beast Mode Cowboy. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good point. But is 
Caleb his woo or is Caleb his LJ is the question. Mm. And it's, it's very possible that he is his woo uh, because he, he, what defines woo, <laughs> it's loyalty. So I think that it could disrupt it if there's a tribe breakdown. Do you think that this is something that would go into a three tribe format afterwards? Yeah, I think that we're going to probably get three tribes at some point, unless, you know, they're really going to throw us for a loop. But I would imagine that if we start with two tribes of 10, I don't think we're going to get a heroes versus villains type season where we just play that down to the merge. Yeah, I can also see Caleb hooking up with Jeff Farner and Malcolm just because they, yeah, I can, I can. I think that I think that Jeff Farner is someone who can recognize when he's got a good thing on his hands and and to keep it. So why Caleb, though, out of anybody here? Because that he just seems very unassuming. Yeah, I I do think so. I just think that, you know, I don't I don't think uh, Varner has watched uh, Big Brother as far as I know. But I do think that not for a while, probably. Yeah, just going back to Caleb's just reputation. He's not going to want to vote out Caleb. I really, I, but I, I do think you're right. I think that Caleb and Tony are going to work together. They're going to, they're going to be one of the first people talking to each other on the beach. Okay, so who do you think could potentially be a problem for Caleb? Like, who's somebody that you don't think he'll get along with in this group? I would say Sandra. It's it's not something I really I really see going well. I mean, Sandra likes to hook up with the ladies. Caleb likes to hook up with the guys and talking about alliances. And and I think that first it's it might be a little tricky. But then again, Caleb's so agreeable and Sandra is so agreeable. So I might be wrong about that. Do you think that Sandra would target somebody like a beast mode cowboy? I'm trying to think that it could go either way with her. But I feel like that the people that she doesn't like are the people that are sneaky And I feel like that he is such a straight shooter for the most part in terms of the games. I feel like that that's somebody that she wouldn't have any issue with. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I don't think that Sandra would target Caleb. I think I don't think she has any reason to. Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that Sandra needs to worry about is just people coming after her. And if she used the anybody but me thing, I'm not sure if that's going to work for Sandra. But I think that creating good bonds with people to get to the end like Caleb could possibly be in her benefit. What about on the other tribe? Do you see any potential bogeys for Beast Mode Cowboy and the other tribe? Is there anybody that is going to be problematic in your mind? I would say if anybody, it's Brad Culpepper because it's, yeah, well, because you think automatically, oh, Brad Culpepper is going to, going to cling to Caleb. I don't think so because Brad Culpepper is someone who just wants to be in control of everything. And I don't, I don't think Caleb reacts well to that. I mean, if you've seen big Big brother 16, he did not react well to Devin being like micromanaging the whole Alliance. And I think that's, something that could possibly happen. So you think that Brad Culpepper could be too much of a taskmaster where Derek was more of like that. He really like plays it softly and asks people about what they want to do and sort of like puts the ideas out in their head. Whereas Brad is just like barking orders and you feel like that Caleb's going to react poorly to that. Yeah. And he'll probably go talk to someone else and, you know, be like, listen, you know, this isn't good for us. And I think that you know, just speaking of the same tribe that Brad, Brad Culpepper's on, I think that Caleb we would get along with a JT, someone laid back that's willing to hear your ideas, but and and work together so in sync with the way they think together. I think that would be a good pairing for him. I also think that Zeke 
could possibly be a good pairing for him. And you can't be too overbearing over Caleb personality wise, but I do think that you should be on the same level as Caleb and understanding who he is at the core. And you'll have a, you'll, you can go far with Caleb. Okay. Let's touch on the other two co-wrong people that are here. First, let's talk about Ty, who there was a lot made about that bromance of them together back in Survivor Co-Wrong. So do you think that people will look at them as a pair to target or you think that nobody's going to worry about them? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be natural to look at them as a pair. But I, I think that they have such I think that time might have a bigger problem with Zeke in the beginning part of the game. Um but it, it's interesting. It could go both ways. It could be like, you know, both the tribes get whittled down one by one. Every other week they're going to tribal council. And it just so happens that Ty and Caleb are still there. They get to the merge and they're just too strong once they see each other. And people kind of go crazy over the thought that, ooh, that's not good because Ty, you never know what you're getting out of him. And Caleb's my guy. You know, my alliance has legs when Caleb's in it. Ty's mm-hmm. not going to take him away from me. And if anything, Ty is coming into this season with sort of like a little bit of the reputation of uh, Ty is sneaky. And I feel like that maybe that could be something which is not the best PR for Beast Mode Cowboy in this game, where they're more threatening if they're in a pair. And then also that Ty may not be completely loved by people coming off the car wrong. Absolutely. This whole season is going to boil down to reputation. It's going to boil down to how you're known for through social media. It's going to boil down to every little thing that you that you were highlighted for in your season. Um, And just like you said, like the unassuming people and the unassuming young women like a Sierra Don Thomas usually make it to the end and win like a Kelly Wentworth. And I think that Caleb is the equal part to the unassuming loyal person you can bring to the end. Okay. And then what about Debbie? I think that this is a really tricky relationship to predict how it would go. Do we have any sort of sense how Caleb would function with Debbie? No, I think, I think one of your podcasts, you know, one of the voicemails, they were like, who are we most excited to see come together at the merge? And it was always like Debbie and this person, Debbie and this person, Debbie and this person. Because she always had a different dynamic with everyone she was hanging out with, in an alliance with, talking behind their back with. It's 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 going to be very, very interesting. Oh, we were on the same season, but we never met. But then again, how well do we know how well they know each other after the fact? I mean, she's such an enigma that nobody has really heard anything about her. I mean, and really for as big of a character as she was for nine episodes of Survivor Call Wrong, she sort of just like vanished off the face of social media and the Survivor community since the point that she got voted out of the game. You know, you saw her for a second at the finale and that's really been it. So nobody, people, I think people have forgotten a lot about Debbie. There's just so many more bigger targets on the board than than some of these people from Korong. So what is your official prediction? I know you said that he had top four, top five upside for this season upcoming, but what is your official prediction? My official prediction is he makes it to final four and gets booted before final three. And the same as Big Brother 16. That that is that is who he is. Like I said, he's always going to be beast mode cowboy. He's always going to go as hard as he can 
in anything. And uh, unfortunately, that can be his downfall. But if he keeps it under control, he could go to final three. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe a win. I don't know. You know, but that's my official prediction. Final four. At the end of the day, you think he'll be standing there with a shot to win a million dollars on day 38. Heard that. Heard that. Okay. Jen, (laughs) this was fantastic. And I know that this was a tough assignment because uh, seemingly there's only four episodes, but uh, you did so much work and so much research to get ready for this. And I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners do too. Jen, if people want to reach out to you after this interview, what's the best way for people to contact you? My Twitter handle is at Jen is wrong again, (laughs) because I like to set low expectations. Um, You shattered them today. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, And, uh, you know, Jen Manning 371 on Snapchat. Okay. All right. Wow. Nobody's given out a Snapchat uh, handle yet. Great. First one. Yes, you're the first one. Okay, so this is great. Uh, but Jen, really uh, fantastic work. And I'm sure everybody also really appreciates it. So let's see how Beast Mode Cowboy does. And uh, all the best, Jen. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right, everybody. There you have it. Jen Manning on Beast Mode Cowboy. And another fun game changer preview is in the books. Let me tell you about what's coming up tomorrow in Game Changer Preview number 10. We are going to be talking about a woman who is such a game changer. She not only voted her mom out of the game, but she also went to rocks when she didn't have to. That would be Sierra Easton. She is coming back. I'm going to be talking with Matt Ligori about Sierra Easton. And then another game changer that everybody is very excited about. We're going to be talking about a man who is married to a two-time survivor. He's now a two-time Survivor himself. Brad Culpepper is going to be back on Survivor, and I'm going to be talking with Ari Ferrari about the return of Brad Culpepper, all in Game Changer Preview number 10. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Rob has a website.com slash iTunes, and we definitely appreciate your feedback and your star ratings on iTunes here at the start of a new Survivor season. Again, special thanks to Beachbody On Demand for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you want to give that service a shot, you can try it for free by texting ROB to the number 303030. What do you have to lose? If you want to give it a shot, go on there and enjoy the free trial. Text ROB to 303030 for 30 days free of Beachbody On Demand. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments and I'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.